Hello and welcome to The Point Being, a weekly podcast with all your need-to-know polling data from Ipsos Public Affairs. Here we dive into the latest public opinion research as it relates to the news of the day. I'm Kate Morris, a data journalist at Ipsos, and I'm joined by my colleague Sarah Feldman. Hey! Also a data journalist at Ipsos and research lead Chris Jackson. Greetings! Mallory will not be with us today, but over to you, Sarah, it's for a rundown of what we'll be discussing. Yes, all the show's going on. We're talking this week about all things mental health ahead of World Mental Health Day this Sunday, October 10th. We'll get into how the pandemic has influenced Americans' relationship to their health, some of the habits they've picked up since March 2020, views on therapy, and how people feel we value or treat mental health in this country. So Chris, starting us off, how did people's relationship to their health change throughout the pandemic? Yeah, so it's been quite the year and a half. Um, and with a big public health emergency like this, it's no surprise that a lot of Americans have been looking a little bit closer at both their physical and mental well-being. Uh, but the data shows, at least the most recent data we have, shows that when we ask Americans how their health, their physical or mental health has changed relative to before the pandemic. Most people actually say it's basically the same, Uh, a little over half, 54% uh, say stay the same. Um, But after that group, after that about half that stayed the same, we do see more people saying that their mental health got worse rather than better, essentially sort of a two to one ratio um, with about just under a third of Americans saying their mental health had gotten worse and about 15, 14% saying that it had gotten better. Um, which I think reflects just, you know, again, how hard this last year has been. And there's some interesting patterns in the data that underneath the surface level that comes to light when we dig in. Um, younger people particularly were more likely to say that their mental health had gotten worse in the last year, particularly Gen Z. That's people essentially in sort of their teens and early 20s. Uh, over a third of them said that they'd they'd had a bit of a harder time this year relative to before uh, compared to baby boomers where only uh, 23% actually said that they'd had a worse mental health in the last year. Their mental health had gotten worse in the last year. Um, now, one thing that's kind of interesting is that no matter what the age group is, we actually see about that same ratio of better to worse with about twice as many people saying worse than better. And you just see with older people a lot more uh, saying that they their their mental health had stayed the same. And, and I think we'll return back to that in a minute, um, in a few minutes, because uh, I think there's some interesting things happening underneath that, that surface level. Um, but looking back across the entirety of the pandemic, we actually see that this sort of sentiment isn't necessarily – has been consistent over the entire pandemic. Indeed, last summer, sort of, you know, the first sort of period of the pandemic or just after the first period of the pandemic, um, if you recall, you know, things sort of started in the United States in late March, April was sort of when the great shutdown happened and sort of, you know, the country ground to a halt. And then we started getting back to life in May and June uh, before sort of really sort of trying to get back into gear later in the summer. And then, of course, the winter surge sort of shut everything down again. Um, So when we asked these questions last summer, last June, we actually saw a lot more Americans saying that they were thinking about their mental and physical well-being on a regular basis. Um, 
And I think that's essentially because everything was still very new and happening at that time. And then we've seen fewer Americans, not a huge change, but still a, a bit of a decline now talking about their mental, saying that they're thinking about their mental and physical well-being. And I think that's just sort of the fatigue setting in and people getting used to COVID to the extent you can, um, and that we're not necessarily as dealing with sort of the acute event like we were a year and some time ago. Um, but, you know, again, there are, I think, some some interesting patterns underneath the surface when you dig down. Um, you know, for instance, uh, again, younger people are more likely to say that they're still thinking about, frequently thinking about their physical or mental well-being. Um, or sorry, they're less likely to be thinking about their physical mental well-being. Older people are actually more likely to. Um, and then finally, I think it's important, we've actually seen some other publications recently uh, on the topic is that all groups haven't necessarily experienced it the same. And, and women, and particularly mothers, have actually reported some of the greatest mental health declines over the last year. And I think that's, again, sort of speaks to some of the burdens that mothers have had to deal with during the pandemic, uh, really contributing to sort of the sense of burnout that they've had. So, you know, those groups' mental health is notably worse than, than it was before the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, to that end, um, some people's habits related to their mental and physical health have changed over the past 18 months just because of the circumstances of the pandemic. Um, And we asked this really interesting question in the Ipsos Consumer Tracker last week about how people's habits have changed as a result as a result of the pandemic. Um, You know, are people adopting new habits? Are they shedding old ones? Did things kind of stay the same for them. Um, and we asked this across a number of different behaviors that kind of fall under this category um, of physical and mental health. So are you prioritizing work-life balance, exercising regularly, going to a therapist, things like that. And um, there are some pretty interesting differences when we break the data down by race. Black and Hispanic Americans were much more likely than white respondents, regardless of partisanship, to make these pandemic-related changes to their life when it came to their physical health and their work situation. On the mental health front, what really jumped out to me was the one in five Black Americans that saw a counselor or a therapist because of the pandemic, while only about 6% of white Democrats and 4% of white Republicans did the same. And that really underscores just how different the pandemic has been for different people, which, you know, Chris was talking about up top with mothers and women. Um, We know that the Black and Hispanic communities were much more likely to get COVID and die from the virus. They were also more likely to lose their job when the economy contracted in 2020 or be frontline workers. And taken together, the big take home point from this data is just one we know well and we've revisited many times on this podcast. Um, people's experiences during the pandemic have been vastly different. And now that difference is impacting the tangible and everyday ways people are choosing to or were forced to change their life and habits after living with COVID for a year and a half. Yeah, that's very true. Um, But let's dig into the therapy going piece of it. So there was a specific question um, from the consumer tracker on whether people have seen a therapist or counselor and when they started doing that, if they've stopped or if that's something they've just never done before. Um, 
So around therapy, we find that the the pandemic seems to have moved a similar number of people, but in opposite directions. So while it may have inspired 8% to start going to therapy, another 9% report that they were going to therapy before the pandemic began, but aren't now. So if you kind of look at it that way in a very broad brush kind of overarching view, um, these two groups sort of effectively cancel each other out. And in a sense, it suggests that the overall effect of the pandemic on therapy going may have been somewhat net neutral. And we're not sure why this is, but we can make some educated guesses. Um, For one, therapy and counseling had to go remote for much of last year, and that may have been a shock for some people, or they might not have just been able to access it as easily, or maybe it didn't resonate, um, therapy didn't quite resonate in that format. Um, And again, to kind of continue on this theme of therapy and and during the pandemic, as Sarah was mentioning, so race played a part in in um, driving some of these behaviors during the pandemic, but age is another uh, factor to consider as well. So um, 13% of people under the age of 34 saw a therapist or counselor because of their pandemic experience, compared to around 8% of those in the 35 to 54 age bracket and 4% of people over the age of 55. But at the same time, um, younger people people are also more likely to have been going to to therapy pre-pandemic, but not now. Um, that was about 18%. Uh, so while you could say these cancel each other out, I think to me it also speaks to kind of more of a, um, a general comfort with going to therapy that is more present among younger generations than it is among the older. Um, and on that note, uh, Chris, could you get in a bit into how views towards mental illness and seeking treatment for it play out across age? Are we seeing any generational shifts around that? Yeah, mental illness is one of those things, one of those topics that has long been a bit fraught to talk about in American society and was seen, you know, a couple of generations ago as as just being something you didn't talk about or if you did, it had a certain social stigma attached to it. Uh, So we also asked a few questions about sort of attitudes towards mental illness uh, as a topic. And what we see is that the large majority of Americans are holding attitudes towards mental illness uh, that are uh, that are sort of uh, viewing it as uh, sort of an illness, viewing it as something that should be addressed sort of openly. Um, So, for instance, we asked if people if the country needs to adopt a tolerant attitude towards people with mental illness and we see uh, that three quarters of Americans say say yes, agree with that. We also asked if mental illness is an illness like any other. Two thirds of Americans agree with that. Uh, we asked if seeing a mental health professional is a sign of strength. Uh, Two thirds of Americans agree with that. And then we also asked the inverse of it, that seeing a mental health professional is a sign of weakness and only 5% of Americans, so one in 20, agreed with that statement. So, you know, you take these things as a whole and you see sort of a picture that most Americans are taking the sort of positivistic view towards talking about mental mental health uh, and mental illness. And when we look at it across generations, Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, Boomer, we don't really see any differences in how people answered each of those questions, which suggests that, you know, the idea that maybe older people 
view mental health with more stigma than younger people doesn't seem to be true in the data that we have now. Um, now, there is a little bit of a difference by partisanship with Democrats taking a slightly more positivistic attitude than Republicans, but not hugely different, right? It's not like, you know, all Republicans think that mental health, seeing a mental health professional is a sign of weakness, um, and all Democrats think it's a sign of strength. It's just, you know, 63% of Republicans think it's a sign of strength versus 77% of Democrats. So, you know, a little bit of a difference, but still a majority, right, of both groups. Um, but the thing that I think that's interesting is that even though there are these attitudes um, saying the right things about mental illness, we still see in the very first data points I was talking about that young people are much more likely to report that they're dealing with mental issues, that they're struggling with mental issues, um, that their mental health had gotten worse during the pandemic. Uh, you know, essentially half again as many Gen Z versus baby boomers said that. And it does make one thing, one wonder if even though older Americans, Gen Xers and baby boomers are sort of saying the right things about the topic, if that sort of stigma still exists where, you know, I know it's it's an illness and I know it's not something we're supposed to talk about, but like, I'm not going to talk about what's going on with me. Like, I'm yeah. not going to be that open, right? So I think there is still a little bit of a question on if, you know, in fact, young people are just dealing with more mental health issues. Maybe they are. Maybe that's true. Or if there is still a little bit of a reluctance among older Americans to talk about it. I don't necessarily think we have the answer on that. But what we do have the answer on is that most Americans are viewing mental health as something that you should be open and talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And on that point, uh, we'll have another survey out relating to mental health uh, tomorrow from our global advisor surveys. So lots of so much to dig into. Um, that's all we have time for this week. So to everybody who tuned in, thank you so much. Um, as I mentioned, some surveys to look out for uh, the, the World Mental Health Day survey, which again will be out tomorrow. Um, we'll have our next wave of the Axios Ipsos coronavirus index tracker um, coming out next Tuesday. Um, kind of thinking of the along the lines of mental well-being and uh, finding fulfillment in, in work and life, um, a colleague of ours came out with a great article on why uh, the great resignation is happening and why people are kind of reevaluating their, their work lives. So all of this and more can be found on ipsos.com, um, news and polls, and you can follow us on Twitter at Ipsos US. So thanks again for tuning in. Please join us next week. I am Kate Morris, and you can find me on Twitter at Callison Morris. I'm Chris Jackson. You can find me at JCB Jackson. And I'm Sarah Feldman, and you can find me here next week. Thanks for listening and take care.